Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. Today I'm talking with Wade Fowle, who is a professor of retirement income for the American College. Good morning, Wade. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, it's, we're coming off of Memorial Day weekend, so this is being recorded in late May. And man, it was it was a little rainy this weekend, but it was so much fun to be with family. I know we're still kind of distancing from each other a bit, but we did to get together for a barbecue, which was really, really nice to see see a few folks. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a nice weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much raining all weekend. Well, Saturday was nice and oh, got outside for a while, but Sunday was raining all day. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Texas rain though, right? I mean, that's got to be warmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's the weather's been nice in Texas. Good, 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 good. All right, so you are the professor of retirement income for the American College. That is, I'm excited to talk to you because I've never spoken to anybody from the American College, let alone the professor of retirement income. So, Wade, what does that mean? You're the professor of retirement income. How does that work? Do you hold classes? Are you holding classes virtually? What kind of things are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. Well, right. I mean, as far as I know, it's a unique job title. And, and so the American College, though, has been around. It's mm-hmm. 1927 is when it started. And it's always been a distance-based educational institution. So we were definitely well positioned for what's going on right now in terms of there are a couple in-person residencies and a few of the programs, but mostly it's always been online education. And that's true. I'm now also the director of our Retirement Income Certified Professional Program, the RICP. Oh, okay. And so that that you you take online and self-paced and so forth. So yes, the the biggest challenge we had was the testing centers all closed down. People could go to a testing center Mm. in their local community, and now we've had to switch to online exams as well. But we're making that transition. Yeah. So are you seeing a big drop in numbers because of that? Or are we are, are people figuring out that, hey, this is what we need to be doing and, and just get on it? Uh, I think we've been able to hold steady. Numbers might be down a little bit, but also now a lot of people have more time on their hand. And so maybe have an opportunity to actually go through an educational program, whereas yeah. they might not have had the time before. So that's helping to keep us I don't know overall how big of an increase or decrease, but I think relatively steady in terms of student enrollments. All right, that's fantastic. Yeah, again, I mean, the RICP alone is a fantastic designation, and I'm I'm glad to hear that people are still keeping up with it as far as, you know, getting that education. I know there's other classes as well, uh, not just that one, but it's important. I think that that's one of the things that I've really, really wanted to focus on with my clients um, as a coach and consultant for financial advisors for years, I I really did push continuing education and really making sure that they went after the designations that were important to them and their clients. So I, again, I want to thank you for what you're doing because without you guys, we would not have the advisors that we do out there. So that's, it's a fantastic organization. Um, You actually wrote a book as well. And I want to, I want to touch on that. If we could get into that, that'd be great. If I'm not mistaken, it's safety first retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Safety First Retirement Planning. It's a, it's a book that I've written a couple of books and about different approaches towards retirement income. And, and this is the approach that looks at 
not relying just on a multi-asset class investment portfolio to fund retirement, but looking more broadly about using risk pooling and insurance as a more efficient means to meet a spending goal, Mm -hmm. and then using the investments for other types of goals as well and integrating that together in an overall plan. Okay, so how would an advisor utilize this best for their clients? If you had to if you had to give me that definition, which is probably difficult, but if an advisor is looking for great information, they get this book, what is the biggest thing they're going to be taking away from this? Well, the biggest thing is that when it, it comes to retirement income, the nature of risk changes. Retirees are dealing with the longevity risk mm-hmm. and also the sequence of returns risk, the whole idea that market volatility has a bigger impact when you're taking distributions. And so the punchline is, instead of looking at retirement from the asset allocation, like stock bond portfolios, as much as possible, shift from the bonds into the annuities and the efficient frontier for retirement income becomes using annuities to cover any spending goals Mm -hmm. outside of social security and things, and then using a a pretty aggressive multi-asset class investment portfolio for the rest of the assets. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree because... Again, you, you, the first risk you brought up, longevity. I don't know if you've heard this. I'm, I'm sure you probably have. But there are some scientists out there that have, have said that the first person that will live to the year 200 has already been born, which scares the bananas out of me. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, my, my, when I was younger, I watched my dad retire early, which he worked really, really hard. Uh, he was in the Air Force for 20 years. He worked with, with Boeing for a number of years. He ended up being able to retire early and is still retired. He's 80 years old now. And they're on a fixed income, but they have great property. They have a, you know they have a great life and couldn't ask for much more, really. I love that picture. However, <laughs> I'm looking at what happens if I live to 100, 110 years old, which I don't necessarily plan to, but wait, it could happen, right? And so that <laughs> kind of... that. That concerns me. And I think that that should be concerning a lot of advisors out there. Are they doing enough for their clients currently, given those are the facts? And uh, between me and the tram, 46 years old now, what medical technologies and advancements are going to happen in the next 20 years to 30 years, maybe even 40 years, that's going to even prolong my life longer than that? Um, That kind of does worry me. Is there a lot of talk about that within your organization and within the people that you network with? Right. I mean, it's a challenge for the idea of retirement that in the late 20th century, you may work for 40 years and then enjoy a 15 or 20 year retirement. And that was more doable. But right, as we talk about, even today, we're not yet at the point of people living to 200. But still, it's like you work for 30 or 40 years to fund a 30 or 40 year long retirement. And that's becoming a bigger challenge. And it will just speak to different approaches where part-time work or twilight careers and things are going to play a bigger role. And, and the idea of people just leaving the labor force entirely by their mid to early 60s is just not going to be a, a reality for most people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. And the other piece that that is going to play into this because of the scenario we're in right now, and, and I'm hoping you can speak to this as well, is I believe we're somewhere close to $3 trillion that the U.S. government has spent to help individuals and small businesses and things like that get through this COVID-19 era, this pandemic. And at some point, they're going to want that money back, right? (laughs) Taxes are going to be affected. And I mean, that I think that that's going to be a big major player for retirees, current retirees, and anybody who's going to be retiring, well, in the next 20, 30, or 40 years. What are your thoughts on that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, strategic tax planning becomes very important. And so having these opportunities where if you are retired before, say, claiming Social Security and so forth, it can provide a great opportunity to do that tax bracket management and with strategic Roth conversions, getting yourself better set up so that, I mean, even in the existing tax code, without any changes, tax rates go up again in 2026 when we return to those tax levels and tax brackets from 2017 before the the change in the law. But yeah, surely at some point taxes will need to go up even further. And so paying taxes today to avoid having to pay at higher tax rates in the future can be an important part of people's planning. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Wait, all that tax talk. Well, first of all, I don't like taxes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know anybody who's like, yay, <laughs> you know, taxes. But um, it's it's interesting because all the different changes that are happening, like you said, the I believe they call it sunsetting. The, the tax law is sunsetting in 2026, or it's going to be reverting back. Um, all those things play into overall planning. And I know that there are a lot of rules of thumb. I'm using air quotes on a podcast, which is not effective, but air quotes here. Rules of thumb when it comes to retirement. And I know that you don't particularly like them, and I don't either. And so I'd love to hear kind of what your thoughts are on what advisors have thought for a very long time and kind of those what those rules of thumbs are and what you would say about each one of them or, or the ones that you disagree with maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so when it comes to retirement income, the big rule of thumb out there, it, it's called the 4% rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that if I'm retired, I can take out 4% of my portfolio at retirement. And then that gives me a spending level that I could keep and adjust for inflation and not have my money run out in retirement. And it's based on 20th century U.S. financial market data, assuming no investment fees, no taxes, and so forth. And I think that's an important starting point to, to just reflect on, especially with interest rates as low as they are now, lower than ever in that historical period that we get the 4% rule from, mm-hmm. that it's under a lot more stress than it ever was. And, and I think that speaks to potential misunderstandings as well about, well, for those who believe in that investment approach and the, the 4% rule calls for a, a 50 to 75% stock allocation in retirement, uh, that annuities have to reflect the reality. People are living longer and also interest rates are low. And that 4% rule really needs to reflect that reality as well, which would suggest a lower sustainable spending level, especially in the low interest rate environment today. Yeah. So again, just looking at the 4% rule, if you have a million dollars, right? So you've got a million dollars in your accounts and you're taking out 4% per year, that's 40,000 if I'm if I'm doing my math right. So living on $40,000 a year is tough for a lot of people, I would assume, a, a lot of people. Um, with all the different bills and all the different things. Plus, I mean, you, you even said it yourself, that's assuming you know no tax changes and, and all these different other pieces. Well, we already spoke about healthcare a little bit. With all that technology, healthcare costs go up, right? Year after year, we know that that is something that's going to be going up. I, I don't agree with that 4% rule at all, just like you're saying. Uh, but really looking at what else is out there. What would you change the rule to if you had a chance to? I know that that's a very vague question and broad and it doesn't fit everybody's mold, but I can't imagine having to save up $5 million for retirement to be able to stick to that 4% rule just to make it for the next 40 years. Um, What do you suggest advisors do when it comes to, besides obviously the, the, the obvious one, which is know your client, 
know their individual needs and take that into account. But are there other rules of thumb that you would say, this is probably a better idea to follow? Mm -hmm. Well, so there are different ways to manage these risks in retirement. And the 4% rule, it, it's simplified to the extent that it doesn't ever have you adjust your spending. That If you can cut your spending during a market downturn, that can help you use mm -hmm. a higher initial spending level. But then as well, it, it kind of speaks to this whole safety first idea as well, where the 4% rule just has this idea that it's catastrophic if you ever deplete your investments. But if you've already funded your, your spending goal, at least your basic expenses with secure, reliable income, you're now less vulnerable to market volatility. And so it's not as catastrophic to run down your investment portfolio. And that's where the 4% rule, well, maybe you can spend more aggressively mm -hmm. because you can go ahead. Not <laughs> Real people, of course, are going to adjust before their portfolios hit zero. But the idea that you can more or less deplete your portfolio because it's not the end of the world. You still have that annuity income and so forth. And so that's another way to just think more broadly that we don't have to just focus on, well, how low does our spending need to go so that we absolutely avoid ever depleting mm -hmm. our assets? But how does that investment strategy fit into the broader strategy for retirement income and, and the other assets available as well? Yeah, absolutely. So what are the pieces that an advisor needs to put in place for their for their client, in your opinion, besides you, know, you, you talked about annuities and there's different things out on the market. And we know that um, your group does a great job with that. What else should they be really concerned about besides the investments and annuity for guaranteed income? Mm -hmm. Well, so retirement's an asset liability matching problem. And the, the liabilities are just the expenses. And they call them the four L's, your longevity, lifestyle, liquidity, and legacy. Mm -hmm. And then it's really thinking about all the household assets and how to best position to match those to the different goals or the different liabilities. And, and so it is more than investments and more than annuities. It, it includes social security. It includes home equity. It includes part-time work and retirement, family support, community support. Um, just all the household assets and and how they can be sorted and positioned uh, to simplify that process as well. I talk about reliable income assets, diversified portfolio, and then reserve assets that are not earmarked for something else that become that source of liquidity for the financial plan. But that's how I generally approach thinking about the, how do you position assets to and all household assets to best meet those expenses in retirement. Mm -hmm. So boil it down for me. If you had one piece of advice for an advisor listening to this right now that would could fundamentally help them with their clients more effectively and change their business, what would that be? It would be, well, I guess the answer would depend a little bit on the advisor's background. But when I'm talking to advisors that really view everything in terms of the investment frame, it would be to just really go beyond just the investment portfolio that you really have to think more broadly about how everything fits together. And then the question of like, what should the asset allocation be? And what should the spending rate from investments be? That's not the initial question. That That's kind of what falls out at the end after mm -hmm. considering everything together. Then, then you figure out what the asset allocation is. And so investment-based financial advisors can really do so much more for their clients by thinking about this broader financial planning picture and including 
more tools, more strategies and, and more approaches and just systematic distributions from an investment portfolio. All right. I'm going to change gears here just a little bit, Wade. From the American College standpoint, your opinion, of course, what would you say is most important right now for advisors education-wise? Seeing that we're moving into an era where we're going to have more retirees than ever, I think the, if I'm not mistaken, the number's like 10,000 people a day retiring, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Uh, that's a lot. Is there any education, ongoing education, that advisors really need to be focusing on and looking at for this next 10 years that's going to help with their aging population, their clients, and, and people that are looking to retire? Uh-huh. It's, so it's really just been in the last, you could say, 15, 20 years that the idea of retirement income has actually evolved as something distinct within financial planning, mm -hmm. that wealth management and investment management and accumulation, you can't just translate that into retirement, that the nature of risk changes in retirement and the goals change in retirement. And so that speaks to having more education about retirement, which is why the American College started the RICP program and, and first offered those courses right at the right around the start of 2013. Mm -hmm. So to, to just look more broadly at that, I, I think that can help advisors since advisors' clients will be approaching retirement. And as you mentioned, you've got these 10,000 baby boomers a day reaching age 65. And that's also where the money is in terms of assets, is that people who are getting close to retirement. So it's a great opportunity for advisors to provide more effective service to their clients. And when people retire as well, they have more time to think about, is my advisor giving me proper service? And do I want to look for somebody who does seem more mm -hmm. knowledgeable about retirement and isn't just trying to apply the same investment strategies in the pre from the pre-retirement world into the post-retirement world as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Wade, this is the first time you and I have had an opportunity to speak. This is the first time we've met. But on previous podcasts, on other podcasts, I've said this time and time again to the listening audience. Uh, and, and I know that our audience is mainly going to be advisors. However, advisors listen up very closely. We've said this before. To, to clients, if your advisor is not communicating with you regularly and not meeting your needs uh, as far as just understanding where your life is going and what your plans are, you need to talk to another advisor. I think that anybody with proper ethics would tell somebody, look, if you're not getting the service you expect or desire, you need to look somewhere else. I think we would tell any of our family members that for any industry. It doesn't It doesn't just focus on financial advisors. Any industry. If you go to a mechanic, you're not getting the service you want. Look for another mechanic. And I think that that's what's going to happen, Wade, in my opinion. Uh, with all the advisors I've worked with, it, it really has been. I've, I've been very blessed to work with amazing advisors that they put service first and they really want to talk with their clients. I know that you work with a lot of advisors and help to train them. And that's something you're communicating to them as well is that it's it's all about service and communication. I think that what you guys are doing at the American College and what you specifically do is amazing work. And again, I want to thank you for that. Is there anything else you want to cover today and that you want to say to advisors that are listening to this right now? Well, I would just, yeah, I mean, agree and confirm with what you were saying in terms of it's the advisors who can provide a broader service to their clients who are going to be able to win and, and to mm have the opportunity to work with these retired individuals. And this is even more so the case with everything going on with COVID in terms of people need communication from their advisors and the advisors who aren't doing that 
are ultimately going to lose out in the end. So yes. thanking the advisors uh, you work with who are looking for that education and, and really providing that service to their clients. Yes, absolutely. And advisors, you need to understand that right now, especially people are talking about their portfolios, they're talking about their retirement, they're talking about the market, uh, because we have extra time on our hands, right? <laughs> There's, we're not doing a whole lot uh, that we were doing before. And so these retirees, you know, pre-retirees, even post-retirees are talking to their friends that are in the same position they are, and they're talking about their advisors. And so if you are the one that they're your client is saying, yeah, my, my advisor is fantastic. They've been with me through this entire process. Yes, the market is bad. However, we've been planning for years and he's done a great job or she's done a great job. That's a referral that you're going to get. And so again, I just want to echo that this is the time to be over communicating with your clients, if ever, anything, uh, in a very personal way. So please do that. Wade, I thank you so much for your time today. If advisors are listening to this and saying, you know what, I could probably use, you know, some extra help with education wise. And I'd love to talk to Wade about it. How can they reach you? And then my second question is, how do they get your book? Because this is a, another piece of great information that they can chew on during this time. They've got time to read. So how do they get a hold of you and how do they get your book? Mm -hmm. Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me would be through my retirement researcher website, retirementresearcher.com. Okay. Uh, there's an opportunity to just sign up. We send out an email every Saturday morning with different articles on retirement income topics. And I can, it can be reached through my webpage. And also, yeah, with the American College, with the RICP program, uh, that's the program I'm involved with. But we certainly have many other programs as well between the CFP, CHFC, CLU, and, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So opportunities there. And then my book, you can find it on Amazon, Safety First Retirement Planning. Also, the book, How Much Can I Spend in Retirement, is about more of the investment-based strategies. And those are two opportunities. So thank you. Fantastic, Wade. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is a great podcast, and I hope every advisor listening to this takes advantage of all the information that you bring to the table, whether it through the, be through the American College or through your books. So thank you again for joining me on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you. And I want to thank you, the listening audience, for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it even easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at InsureMark, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 